So last week we had uh, read from Acts 3, and we heard about the man who was lame and he was begging at the temple. And he wasn't given what he, was wa- what he wanted, but, but he was given what he needed. And he was physically healed in the name of Jesus, but more so he was spiritually healed in the name of Jesus. And he was given a new life through faith in Jesus Christ. It was by the power of the name of Jesus that Peter and John were able to be instruments of this miraculous event, of this healing event. And as we read from chapter 4 this morning, this miraculous event created some uproar among the uh, religious officials, which led to questioning and and jailing of Peter and John and, and the subsequent release of Peter and John, leading to the prayer of the believers. So as we read from Acts 4 in a moment, let us come to God in prayer. Father God, you've given us your word in miraculous events that occurred in the early church, and we give you thanks for these stories. We thank you for stories of uh, yourself through the word, but we also see you reveal yourself to us through creation, and we can just stand back and say, wow, thank you. You are amazing. We thank you for your power and your spirit. We thank you that that same spirit continues to be at work today in our church and in our lives. So bless the reading and the preaching of your word. It's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Acts 4, 1 through 37. And as we're going through the book of Acts, again, I encourage you to bring your own Bibles or use the Pew Bibles or your apps on your phones. It might be easier to follow along, but it's fine if you just listen as well. Acts 4, 1 to 37. The priests and the captain, captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they so, so they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and then began to question them. By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there is nothing that they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. 
But Peter and John replied, well, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. And they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you've made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power, they did what your power your, and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So reading this morning from chapter 4, about the miraculous event of the man who was lame, it created, as we said, some uproar among the religious officials. Once again, some of the religious people get in the way of ministry and mission. The religious folks saw this miracle that was performed in the name of Jesus almost as a curse. And Peter goes on to say to the religious folks, the religious leaders, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. Verse 12. And the religious people noted that people in Jerusalem were aware of what was, what was occurring, what occurred. And then verse 17, the religious leaders make a statement to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people. And this statement sounds like there's this disease that is spreading among the people, or even worse, a plague that has hit the area, and then people are all doomed. Peter and John were questioned and threatened on account of this event. But after much debate and threats, and probably hesitancy by the leaders, they were released. Peter and John returned to the other believers and they shared their story of what transpired. And this then led to prayer among God's people. Now let's just take a jump ahead and jump to the end of the prayer. Verse 31, after they pray, the, the place where they were meeting was shaken. 
Now we know that there was only one Pentecost that occurred and it occurred some days earlier. But this here, now at this time, it's almost like a second Pentecost because the Holy Spirit again filled the people. And when the Holy Spirit came down in Acts 2 at Pentecost, He came down like a rushing wind and the people could see all these tongues of fire. And now here in Acts 4, He comes down with a violent shaking of the building. In every aspect, we are again reminded that the Holy Spirit comes down with such a power, such a force. And that power leads to the Word of God being proclaimed and spoken boldly. So let's take a closer look at a few things about their prayer. First, let's take a look at who's praying. Because verse 23 states that Peter and John went back to their own people. So it's not only Peter and John who are praying. It's not only the prayer of one delegated person. It is a prayer of their own people. Their own people all raise their thoughts and all raise their prayers together unified. Now it's not certain if all of these people were saying the same words out loud in unison. But that doesn't matter. The point is that this was their prayer together as one body. And these people were family and friends and, and apostles and disciples of Jesus Christ. And these people were, it doesn't say, state that they were specific people who were gifted in prayer, but they were empowered by the Holy Spirit as believers to be together and to pray. People coming together in the name of Jesus Christ to pray. Their immediate response after hearing this story from Peter and John was to go to God together in prayer. And so we take note of their prayer. And we may ask, well, who, whom are they praying? And in the beginning of their prayer, they identify who God is. Not because God needs to know who He is, but His people need to be reminded. To whom are we praying? This prayer is prayed to the Sovereign Lord, to the Creator God. And in a few short sentences, the people again remind one another of how God is the Creator God. In a few short sentences, they remind each other that He is the ruler of the world. That God is the ruler of all things. And since that is the case, and when God is the ruler of all things, that includes He's the ruler of all people. God is the ruler and in control of, of the lives of the people who are standing there praying. God is ruler and control of the priests and the religious leaders. The people are reminded that God is the ruler. He is sovereign over all. And as sovereign Lord, that means that God knows all. That nothing surprises Him. That means that God is in control of everything, even though our lives and, and even sometimes this world may seem so out of control and there are threats toward, towards against God's people. Everything will be accomplished in God's time, not necessarily according to our time. When there are struggles, whether those struggles be political or economic or wars, broken relationships, physical or mental illness, lack of employment, natural disasters, and you can fill in the blanks. The list goes on. Despite any struggle, any circumstance, God is still on his throne. He is ruler. He is sovereign. He is with us. This prayer is offered just following some threats from the religious leaders. 
The prayer was offered in the fear of danger and persecution. The fear of of, of some of these people losing their lives if they talked about Jesus. And so in their prayer, the believers quote scripture. And they quote Psalm 2 in this prayer. Where the reality was in the where this was the reality in the Old Testament as well, where nations plotted against God. Nations plotted against God's people. Threats against God and his people are not something new to the early church in Acts. It occurred in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus himself was killed. And threats and struggles and obstacles continue to occur even today. Again, despite the circumstances, God is sovereign. He is in control. And he will use these obstacles. He will use these circumstances to furthering his kingdom to his glory. He used the death of his son, Jesus Christ, to raise him from the dead, to grow his church, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Job, who was plagued with every loss possible, and yet Job professed in Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer lives. Jeremiah 29.11 in the Old Testament where the people of Israel in captivity states, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then in the New Testament where we're still plagued with, with sins, we are given the promise of hope. That one day, according to Revelation 21, 3 and 4, where, we, where I heard a loud voice in the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God is sovereign. He reigns and he controls all. So people, have hope, have faith, and believe in our sovereign God despite any challenges or obstacles that might be before us. And there are obstacles to the good news of Jesus. There are obstacles that could prevent church growth. And so even today, we need to gather to pray. There's persecution around the world today where people's physical lives are in danger. Closer to home, maybe our physical lives may not be in danger, but our spiritual lives are being challenged and in danger. The entertainment industry is putting pressure on the church, and the church has to find that balance of of remaining countercultural and culturally relevant. Political maneuvers and policies have impacted the church. People's mobility have resulted in the world becoming our neighborhood. And as a result, we sometimes don't get to know who lives right beside us. Or even medical technology, such as a blessing as it is, results in us relying on medical advancements more than God. People's identity is found in their work or how busy they are or in their sexual identity rather than their identity in Jesus Christ as a son or a daughter of the King. There are real obstacles that we need to pray about today and ask God that we will receive clarity, wisdom, and grace and obedience. So let's look further at what's being prayed. We've already stated that the believers had included who God is, sovereign and creator. They'd included some scriptural references from the Psalms. 
And in addition to speaking of God the Father, they refer to the role of the Holy Spirit in their prayer. They refer to God's holy servant, Jesus. They bring in all three persons of the Trinity. And God, again, doesn't need this clarification. But his people need to be constantly reminded of who God is. That he's a God of relationship. A God who desires a relationship with his people. A God who calls his people to prayer and to grow that relationship. As the prayer continues in verses 29 to 30, the believers bring forward two requests. They ask the Lord to consider their threats. But they didn't ask God to smite their enemies in the name of Jesus. They didn't even ask God to remove these threats. They did not ask God to keep themselves safe. What they did ask for was for God to enable his servants to speak the word with great boldness and to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. And if this prayer was answered, it was going to get them into trouble. And these two requests have to do with God's mission for his church. See, this prayer has to do with evangelism, which has just been outlawed by the priests and religious leaders. Prayer has transformed a bunch of scared, anxious cowards into people who want to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus despite the fact that their lives have just been threatened. So people of God, then and even today, mission needs to begin with prayer. And this prayer, again, it was a dangerous prayer because it asked for great boldness for confidence and courage. And only God knows what was next. But praise God that he does know. The religious leaders, as we mentioned, were looking at this situation kind of like a disease, a curse that was spreading. The disciples were looking at this situation as the greatest cure for all time spreading across the nations the gospel of Jesus Christ getting out to all people. So prayer, it's an important action. It's an important action in the book of Acts. And a key element in this prayer is that there is united fellowship. They pray together. They are in, in agreement as to what they are praying together. And you've got to admit, agreement in prayer is not always easy. Let me give you an example. I recall several years ago, when I was an accountant, one of my clients had shared with me that the previous Sunday in church, the pastor prayed that the interest rates will be reduced for those who are in business and agriculture. Legitimate prayer, right? The parishioner went to the pastor and said that the parishioner's prayer, rather, was that the interest rates would increase because he was a retired farmer and he had investments. You see, we're not always praying the same prayer. Sports teams, take a look at sports teams where both teams go to prayer before the game. Often the prayers, let our team win. One of them are not going to get their prayer answered, or maybe their prayer, that wasn't the prayer that should have been asked. 
This prayer from the disciples is one that nobody can disagree on. It's a prayer of unity. It's a prayer of mission. It's a prayer of boldness. And so God immediately responded to this prayer. They prayed and things shook up. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and their prayer was answered. They spoke the word of God boldly. And verse 32 states that all believers were one in heart and mind. You see, Scripture is clear that the only way a church will be unified is through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power overflowed among the people in the early church and and God's Spirit continues to overflow among His church today. But we cannot expect the Holy Spirit to overflow that power upon us if we're not going to ask for it together. We need to be people of prayer. And our prayers need to be asking God for the same thing. To be bold. To proclaim His gospel for the sake of making disciples of all nations. Today we've installed office bears. And office bears may your prayer... And our prayer collectively be that together we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness in our church, in our church community, and beyond. And the gospel is who Jesus is and what he has done for each of us. As we heard in the children's message, we can look at creation and see how amazing our God is. We can look through the word and be reminded who Jesus is and how amazing Jesus is. We all have a story. We tell that story and we share that story, what Jesus can do for others. The gospel is the good news of salvation. It's not only about us being saved for eternal life, it is about us being saved for a purpose to live a life already today in God's kingdom here on earth. Tonight we have a prayer service. We have the opportunity to bring our thanks to God and our prayers to God, to pray scripture, to pray for the unity and the mission and the boldness of this church and other churches. And may our prayers this morning, tonight, continually as a church body, continue to lead to unity among God's people and being obedient to his mission for his church. Amen. Let us pray. We'll be using the prayer from Acts 4 this morning. Sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David when David was up against nations who plotted against him and against you. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servants Peter and John and several disciples when they too were up against threats and people against them and against you. People continue to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And Lord, there are threats and obstacles, and even ourselves at times, that prevent your power and your gospel from going out into our communities and our world. Now Lord, consider the threats and obstacles, and enable your servants today to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We thank you for your word and for your spirit and for equipping and empowering us in prayer. In the name of Jesus and his power, we pray. Amen.